Never measure your self-worth by what other people think you should have become. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Here we are on our next episode of Heal. I am so excited for two reasons. Brittany's back. Hello. It's the first time. Yay, Hello. there's her voice. <laughs> and the other reason is we are actually about to interview a wonderful woman from the UK. Her name is Shana Jasmat, and she is a female empowerment coach. She helps women recognize their self-worth so they can create a life that they want and deserve. Hi, Shana. Hi, thanks for having me, ladies. We're We're really very excited. This is your perfect guest. Um, What we're about to talk about is perfect for this podcast, don't you think, Britt? I agree 100%, yeah. So, Shana, Uh I know you haven't been an empowerment coach (laughs) for your whole life. Right? Right out of the womb, you're like, I know exactly what I'm going to do, and this is it. I'd love to hear everyone's story from as far back as they like to um, go, because I think it's important to the listeners to understand that, you know, if they can relate to your story, then see where you are now. I think it gives people hope, inspiration, and and I'd love to hear your story. So Shana, tell us how you became Shana Jasna, the (laughs) empowerment coach. Wow, do you know what? I, I, I've um, been asked this before and I can't believe I'm actually here as an empowerment coach because there was no way I would have ever imagined this even maybe two, three years ago, like not at all. Um, I, for a start, grew up as a very quiet, shy child. I didn't speak out loud enough like at school or in, I was even, I talk about what I was like with my mum like at the moment because I like to learn about you know what was I like as a child um especially because I'm so different now and she said like even within my in our family if we went to a family event and with my cousins I would just be the quiet one I didn't I didn't even want to like play with my friends and cousins or family members because I was so shy and quiet and I'm not sure where that came from but can um, I tell you something I know nobody's going to believe this but I was the same way (laughs) exactly the same way just you know don't talk don't just not even be seen you know they used to say kids should be seen and not heard yeah I don't know if you've ever heard that saying but that was definitely me yeah yeah I mean I I, I don't remember, I got, I remember, sorry, being told to speak up because I was just, you know, didn't speak at all. So if I was asked a question by an adult, I maybe would have whispered it and I used to get told off and because I didn't speak um, loud enough and at school. It was always like, oh, we can't hear you. So if we're putting on a school play or I had to read something out loud, I, we can't hear you speak louder. And this probably made me go even more like yeah you know in on myself and get quieter because I remember even when I studied for my degree speaking out in a group was just terrifying for me yes so <laughs> the fact that I'm even doing this now it's a little bit weird but um I you know I did growing up nothing there was nothing majorly bad that happened to me I had a really nice childhood I had a sister either side of me so I'm the middle child grew up in a loving family uh, mum dad my two sisters and actually my my grandmother lived with us as well um and your bog standard Indian family like we were close we all went to school and did well with our grades and I went off and got a degree um and it was about I think for me it was about the time that I stepped out of education and into the working world I suddenly I don't know whether I set up expectations for myself um but I 
imagine this whole young professional working life in a new city and I'm going to make lots of friends and I was going to be one you know it's like I was going to live in friends that that tv show that's my thought (laughs) you know when you just you think that's what it's going to be like right it wasn't at all no (laughs) I moved to a new city I didn't really have any friends there I the job that I got was good but it didn't pay as well as I thought I would be getting at that point so I didn't really have the money to socialize and I ended up spending a lot of time by myself and being quite isolated and I started to think wow this is not what I imagined it to be um and about this age I'm about 25 years old how long yeah I was gonna say how long ago was that just curious for chronological reasons yeah I've just 10 I've just 10 41 so oh you're oh my gosh you look so young thank you (laughs) um so yeah and all the people that I did know whether they were living locally to me or not all my friends from university even from back home were all at the stage where they were all partnering up settling down even buying their first homes and I was still single now at that point yeah it was a little bit like oh it'd be nice to meet someone but I didn't really overly think about it that much it wasn't a concern it was a bit oh it'd be nice to have a boyfriend or a partner um and I always counted myself lucky this is going to sound weird now (laughs) that my parents never expected me to have an arranged marriage Mm -hmm. so part of me was like I get to do what I want and choose who I want Mm -hmm. but then I'm getting to my mid-20s and I'm like I can't even find anybody I want so it's like oh like I get to choose but where who nobody wants me um and then I I think that actually probably had a bigger impact on me than I realized got me Mm -hmm. quite down it got me quite like oh the job's not exactly what I want this whole life isn't what I expected I don't even have somebody to share it with again adding to that whole feeling quite lonely um and I think that was my first experience of suffering from depression. Uh-huh. I didn't realize I was in it until I was really in it. Uh-huh. Um, and I had some time off work. Um, I felt like I didn't know where I belonged. Like I said, everyone in my age bracket, my friends were all settling down. They were loving their new jobs or they were doing all these things that I expected you to be doing and it, it wasn't happening for me. Uh-huh. So I'd say that's probably about the time, yes, yeah, so my, my depression started to creep in. I started going from the person who would drink socially to started drinking by herself. Not extreme amounts, but that was when the lone drinking started. Like uh-huh. I remember on a Friday night after work, getting home, the people I lived with would be out and about. I'd be at home watching TV with a bottle of wine. Uh-huh. Again, still didn't think anything of it. Um, and then for the next five years, I bounced around different jobs, different cities, trying to figure out where I was meant to be. Right. Nothing's ever felt right. Right. And um, there's a lot of pressure, too, for people um, to know what they want to do when they're yeah. here, when you're 18, you're supposed to decide exactly what it is that you want to do for the rest of your life. And then it's if you crazy. don't, there's something wrong with you. And then by 30, if you're not settled down and married and kids and house and this, then there's something wrong. And I don't agree with any of that. Um, but it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of outside pressure. It's, it's massive amount of pressure. And, you know, I, I guess I don't really didn't realize it until recently, but you know the same as probably over there that we start making choices about which way we want to go career-wise when we're in so secondary school your high school about the age of 14 it's insane who who knows at that point when they say right you've got to choose between these different subjects now and that shapes your path that's where Mm -hmm. you start and then god for if you make the wrong decision at 14 and you didn't know that i don't know what it's just so much so much I I suddenly realized at that age my decisions because I was quite my grades were quite the same across all subjects I picked based on who was who the teacher was which subject I enjoyed more and where my friends were going to be and then that 
yeah that's where it started and you can't base your future on things like that um but anyway that you know I went down this path hence why the jobs for the first probably 10 years of me working I was just like never falling in love with anything never even being okay with any of my jobs I just was there and uh-huh. getting through each day um still even wherever I moved to I felt quite lonely and then um just a few years before I turned 30 I did a bit of I went overseas went traveling I thought you know what I need a bit a break because uh-huh. something's not right here let's go and <laughs> let's go and do the thing that most people do in their early 20s and do it when I'm in my late 20s but hey ho um that's okay where did you go can you tell us yeah I I started in Australia and then but I spent most of my time in Southeast Asia so I started in uh, Singapore then went through uh, Malaysia Thailand Laos Vietnam and Cambodia did you go Um, by yourself yeah oh my gosh it was amazing I don't think I'd let Brittany do that (laughs) sorry Brittany (laughs) (laughs) like I have a choice (laughs) Uh, yeah I probably just wouldn't tell her until I was already there (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised that yeah my parents didn't say more than they did um to be honest my pet my mom actually encouraged me because my both my sisters did it at straight after university they graduated and they went traveling and my mom said to me at one point I think my younger sister was then planning her trip my mom said how come you didn't go when you were that age and I, and I sat there and I thought I don't know and I was so desperate to get on the career ladder and have this like city life that I just wasn't interested uh-huh. at that time so anyway I did it later on in life and then that was amazing and you know I actually I guess that trip I was away for six months that trip kind of you know showed me that that I was capable of doing things by myself and that you know the the fact that you planned the trip and wanted to go by yourself I think proves that you're capable of yeah all of that I mean that's that takes a lot of courage yeah I don't think I recognized it then though I just Mm -hmm. thought it was uh you know um but when I came back to the UK unfortunately that was 2000 and eight so just before the recession hit mm-hmm. um and I come back and I can't get a job so I was oh, unemployed. No. yeah <laughs> unemployed for quite a while and then it's like I'm gonna be 28 soon I don't have a job I've got two degrees because I've done a master's degree so I've got two degrees behind me I'm back at my parents house and you know it was like what are you even doing with your life yeah. again that that whole cloud is hanging over me um I did manage to get a job it was only temporary but it was a year and a half contract and I remember my 29th birthday I went out with my little sister and I said to her I cannot be in this position when I turn 30 I need to have a direction or something needs to be happening in my life so the two of us me and my younger sister decided that as soon as I turned 30 we would go back to Australia oh and yeah so we we planned and saved for a year and I, I think it was about five days after my 30th birthday we flew to Australia on a one-way ticket um and that was what I thought at that point this is it this is my new life I'm going to start out there and for a few years it was it was bit of a wobbly start but then I found friends I got an amazing job they sponsored me to stay out there and it all was going really really well um I met somebody I got into a relationship um but what I probably did was get into a relationship with the wrong person was it just because you felt like you had to yeah I mean I'm I'm, I was we got together when just after I turned 31 and we got on so well as friends that I just assumed that it would be just as good if not better mm-hmm. as in a relationship and it, it didn't go that way but at the same time I was just so desperate to make it work because I think but then subconsciously I was like you know I'm getting older now and 
when am I going to settle down? Even though it was quite clear it wasn't working. I mean, we just weren't the right fit for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, let's face it, he didn't even want to be in a relationship. I'm not sure what we were doing, but you know, <laughs> live and learn. No, that's um, how you learn. You learn, I mean, it's hard when you're in it or hard right when you're out of it. But after the fact, you look back and say, okay, what did I learn from that? You learn from those things, those hard yeah. things. Um, so that's... That end of that relationship was probably the beginning of what I would say was the start of the 10-year dark, uh, I don't even want to say dark period, it was worse than that. Um, we, we, the relationship ended and not long after that, I found out I was pregnant and it was his um, and I had horrific few months where he basically said, this is not what I want. This is, never have I wanted this. Um, oh, it was just the hardest thing knowing that all I've ever wanted really actually from quite a young age was to eventually settle down, meet somebody and start a family. And here I am at 32 with the possibility of some of that. Mm. And it wasn't how I ever, ever imagined it would be. And long story short, he basically said, if you choose to keep the child, then I will support you. But if it was, he basically said, but I, I think and I feel like I would end up resenting you and the baby. Wow. Um, which That's really heavy. That's so hard. Yeah, that's hard to was hear. Just, it was just like the next from that I mean when when I talk I'm like I'm okay talking about it but I can't talk a lot about it because I actually don't remember much it was yeah. such a traumatic experience the, the conversations aren't clear I I have little bits in my mind that I remember but not a lot those whole mm-hmm. that month I think to me was just a blur yeah um now I can say as much as it sounds horrible he did right to tell me how tell me the honest truth of how he felt I agree I know no it it was probably one of the hardest things to hear but I agree because he would have been dishonest if he did anything else I just yeah oh wow that's really hard um so yeah, now I now I looking back, I, I can see that at the time, it was just a whirlwind of just emotions, and it was oh, it was just horrible. Um, he was away at the time as well. He wasn't even there. He he was he'd gone back home. He he was he's from Northern Ireland. He'd gone back home for Christmas, mm. so I was um, in Australia by myself. Um, I told a few friends that supported me at the time. Um, and I had determination just before Christmas, which is just a really rubbish time to think. Well, I mean, there's no good time for that, is there? Um, no, it's just a, it's a, it's a something that we celebrate every year. So it's a memory every single year of something. Yeah. 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 See, for me, like that week before Christmas is always a little bit of a, oh, yeah, um, the body never really forgets those things too. Do you know what I, I thought I was being weird but for the first few years after I used to feel like there was an actual physical feeling that I used to get around that time and I thought oh, is this is this real does it can that be a thing but I honestly felt something mm. um but that was yeah like I said the beginning I think of my downward spiral I didn't I initially thought I dealt with it but then when he came back to Australia and we were now face to face with each other and it's like I had to deal with it all over again and process it second time round, which was mm-hmm. maybe the, the second time was more real and it was sinking in um and I didn't I didn't deal well at all um my drinking went got out of control I was already I was already taking medication for my depression then anyway um and again I can't tell you much because those months are not clear to me uh-huh. but I remember not being in work I remember there was a lot of drinking um just 
wanting to not, oh, just feeling all just the pain and guilt and shame of everything. Uh-huh. Um, and at the same time, the two of us, I think, were at constant, like, there was tension and we were trying to support each other, but at the same time getting angry at each other. And it was just, it was just horrible. Um, and I tried to take my own life. Oh, I, no, Shana. At that point, at that point, I, I don't, it was a desperate need for everything to just stop. Go away. Mm-hmm. I just want, yeah, this I can't deal anymore. This is too much. Um, I can't honestly say if it's what I really wanted, but at that point, I just wanted it to stop. And that's the only way in my very, at the time, irrational brain, you know, how to to do that. Um, again, a few months of me trying to sort myself out and then in the end my parents just said we can't look after you while you're that far away from us you're going to have to come home so I came back to the UK good um but then I don't think I ever really properly healed from that and so that was in 2013 and for the next six years seven six seven years I think I just went in this cycle of something good happening like I got a great job and I made new friends to something triggering me to remind me that I'm still alone or I'm still a failure or something like that that would then trigger the drinking to escalate from social normal drinking to drinking all the time and drinking alone and drinking to numb out and then I would have another really dark depression episode and then there would be a hospital admittance and then I'd come out again and I went round and round and round in that sense yes. right because that original wound probably like you said was never never healed I mean even and before you got pregnant I think there was even some things to still heal you know Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, oh. That was a trauma, but there was a lot of stuff before that. Yeah. Which maybe I didn't even recognize that right. probably put me in that position in the first place. Well, you couldn't really maybe put your finger on those things, whereas this was the thing that you could put your hand, finger yeah. on and say, this is what caused this. But in actuality, yeah, there was some underlying other yeah. things. Oh, that's so hard. Um. So I think it, well, not, not I think I know. Um, I stopped drinking in February, 2020, just before the pandemic. I think a, a lot of wonderful, pandemic. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say something that might be controversial, but 2020 and the pandemic and quarantine has been challenging for so many, for so many reasons. Um, but there are people that, that I've spoken to and myself included. And I think even maybe Britt could even speak to this. I think a lot of us were forced to face a lot of stuff. Um, yes. You know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. And, and, and the beginning of the pandemic I can say was insane as far as, you know, talk about having a drink. Like I don't have to go into work tomorrow. I just have to be yes. on the computer. So I'm just going to have a drink. And yeah. by the time April rolled around, I was like, okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, You know, I think, I think it was a, a pandemic it was for some people, you kind of went one way or the other. Yeah. I feel like some people grabbed that opportunity to to take that time to do something do the right thing they had a lot of time to think and they used it to good you know put it to good use and and some people who just it's not I don't think their fault but you know none of us are like planning for a pandemic and ready to like be in lockdown and people just weren't prepared and ready to deal with that yeah the other way um I could have gone the other way because just before lockdown I I actually, I again was in that, you know, getting to that downward spiral, not quite rock bottom, but on my way again. And uh, my parents are quite used to this happening, which is awful when I think about what I must But don't, don't hold on to that. They don't all, hold on yeah. to that. They love you unconditionally. I know. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 
still they retired they took early retirement and we've got a house in India so every winter they go to India because you know why not um so they were already over there and I'm it's January and I'm I've got through Christmas the Christmas on my own I've got through Christmas on my own and I was all actually all right at Christmas and then January and then I just started going downhill again and you know getting out going leaving the house less I didn't have a job at the time I left my previous employment that I'd been in for five years that's a whole other story due to my health and all sorts of other issues um so I'm home alone a lot drinking a lot and I remember it being a weekend where I just didn't really feel like talking to anybody you know when you're feeling low you you just want everyone to I, I retreat I just retreat don't and I don't no no yep oh yeah and I mean I should have known better because retreating for me is one thing when your parents are on yeah. the other side of the world and you're retreating and after the things you've done and scared them with in the past you need to kind of at least keep them a little bit but because I just I get to the point you just don't care mm -hmm. so I didn't answer the phone I think what whether it was just a one day of not answering the phone I can't remember but I sat there on a Sunday afternoon watching television I was drinking wasn't like completely out of it but I was just having a drink and the door just opens into my back room and, and I'm like and our neighbors were in my house they have a they were looking for you to make sure you were your, did your parents send them in my parents had called them yeah how did you feel and at when that, that point when, when all of a sudden it, again you know how we're good at blocking things out we don't want to remember i don't remember much of that rest of that afternoon or day um but i felt like whoa this is a new low because it's one thing when your family and your very close friends have to pick you up but when your neighbors that have seen you grow up from a child like we moved into this house when i was seven and they are having to come around to check on you because your parents don't even know if you're alive that was a whole oh different i, I don't even know yeah i get it but it was probably the thing that made you uh go the other way right yeah without doubt yeah, it was a little bit of, um, I guess it was an intervention of sorts that led me to realize I have this is it now, no more. Like something also went in me as if so you have to stop doing this. This is absolutely ridiculous. I was taken to stay with my auntie for just under two weeks while we sorted out. Um, getting my dog in the boarding kennels I know and getting a flight for me to go out and stay with my parents um, and I remember on the plane knowing that when I land in India that's it no more drinking you you desperately keep trying to leave this world and this life but it's not happening so you need to stay to sort it out and fix this right um nobody else can do this you yeah yep and I did it's like this little conversation I had in my head it didn't go over and over I just had it knowing that's it now and I got there and it felt like within days I was just like the old me had gone mm. and I changed my attitude I changed my way of thinking I changed my behavior towards my parents I listened to them I did the things that they wanted me to do just to keep not to keep them happy, but to show them, rather than me just saying, yes, I'll change, I'll do this. I start, I need to show them now that I am willing to do whatever it takes because I want it. This isn't for them, I want it as well. Um, and I guess kind of lucky. No, that's a really bad way to say it, but <laughs> lockdown hit not that long after I got there. So I got locked down in India with my mum and dad. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful, you know, yeah. because and I think know, it's why you're here. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about the fact what if I had not gone out? What well, I I don't even want to think about the alternative of if they got stuck there and I got stuck here by myself. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. 
my friends of mine have said oh you wouldn't have been by yourself we would have come and got you I said yeah but you didn't know how bad it was yeah so but you know I did go there and I spent a lot of time thinking and working on myself and people ask how did you a get sober by yourself right and b do all the the work on you know yourself and I, I said I didn't have a choice <laughs> I'm like in a, a beautiful house beautiful weather and country but the, the internet is limited because it, we, we live in a small village there's a power cut in India which means everything goes out and all I had was my books mm. and time um so what else could I do but just do the, the reading and spending time by myself and going for walks and meditating and all the things that you know people wish they had time for but don't and I had the time I was like well be stupid for me not to Mm -hmm. um and then three after three months we managed to get a flight back home oh wow yeah that's surprising Uh, oh it wasn't um straightforward we were we had to get a um the government put on certain flights to get the Mm -hmm um people back that's that was a whole nother story that was an ordeal and a half I bet it was yeah that was quite scary journey um but we got back in May and I just continued to keep doing the work I got involved with sobriety groups I found an amazing one online that were more to my I don't want to say liking but just kind of aligned with them Mm-hmm. more than um the obvious 12-step programs and AA just wasn't for me uh-huh. um I found another group and I joined them as an ambassador rather than joining as a member because I wanted to take an active role so it kind of put me in a position of responsibility rather than somebody who would sit in the background because that a lot more, does so a lot more accountability you put on yourself to be able yeah. to succeed so you can help others and you do that for the sole purpose of um, having more accountability or did you want to, did you foresee that you wanted to help others in this area? I wanted to help others, but I didn't think by doing that, I would be helping them in the way that I am now, because when I joined, it was just to be, um, to an organized in-person social events. That's what I took on the role as, as a volunteer. But because um, because of lockdown and not being able to meet in person for so more longer than we expected, a lot of our support and the work we do went online. Mm-hmm. And I went from being somebody kind of in the background waiting for in-person events to start to suddenly hosting Zoom lounges for people um, and running kind of workshops and hosting online cooking classes and then I while I joined them I was also doing my NLP qualification Uh and the coaching thing for me was happening on the side I'd never expected the two to link up as they ended up doing Um, but the sober group expanded into not just a social group but a support system as well and they started saying right we're going to go into coaching we're going to get coaches on board to coach people so I was like I want to wow (laughs) so I now coach as part of this group called Be Sober and I also have my own business which is like a general empowerment coaching and that came about mostly because when I got back from India I when I got myself a, a coach because I was like right still don't have a job don't know what I'm doing now and I feel like this is the point where I need to make a good decision now and I don't want I don't feel comfortable making it alone and um talking to this coach Laura who's now a very very good friend of mine yeah um, she we got onto the conversation. I asked her how she got into coaching and she told me her story. I said, oh, I'd love to do something like this one day because you know what? I kind of lived it. So I kind of think I'm at the other side now and I would love to be able to especially help women who expected to go down a certain path in life, whether they did it of their own accord or because of 
expectations of others or society mm. and find themselves at an age where they realize this isn't where I want you to be or this isn't how I'm not happy and you know all, all these things where they feel like they're trapped and stuck mm-hmm. to tell them actually you're not that's right you can change direction whenever you feel like it whenever you want to right um so we, we were talking about this and she said well why don't you do it then I said oh yeah maybe in the future and she always says to me I knew then you were going to do it but you you saw it such a a faraway dream like it wasn't something that's possible for you uh-huh. she said so I didn't say anything to you at the time so but I knew that it would happen much quicker than you realized uh-huh. um and isn't it funny well, that, how people can see things in us that we oh, don't see yeah. at all yeah yeah I'm, she said you were talking about like it was a pipe dream and and I think I was qualified in my NLP about three months later three four months later by then an established volunteer would be sober and then at the beginning of 2021, so this year, I got my first coaching client in February. And I am now like the, the stuff I do with Be Sober is just like such a big part of my life. Absolutely. Huge. Absolutely love it. And I I've been trying to, I've spent the last couple of months putting together a group coaching program that just made me feel like yes this is it I don't know I've been trying loads of different things and nothing felt right and then I finally finally figured out what I wanted to do was just my own journey but to really simplify it for other women and all of my journey comes down to never having any self-worth like I didn't Mm -hmm. have any it was non-existent Um, I think that that is a common theme um, across I don't I don't like to generalize but a lot of women have the same feeling and when you go when you really dig deep and figure out why do I do the things that I do like why do I make those decisions why do it's always because you know because I don't deserve anything better so yeah and it whether it's a conscious thought or not it's I think a lot of us are ruled by those feelings and and again I don't want to generalize because I could be way off but I think majority, Brittany, what do you think about that? I mean, do you think women suffer from yeah. their worth and understanding how much they actually deserve? Yeah, I think so. And I think it has a lot to do with everything that society tells us on a yeah. subconscious level. Sometimes, you know, it's just kind of hammered into us since we're kids, you know, like you can see, um, you know, you, you, I don't know, you can just see it at all ages, how uh, yeah. Yeah, I I certainly could as a kindergarten teacher at five-year-olds, you know, you can see, um, you can almost see what they're, what they're going to be like when they grow up based on how they interact in the classroom. And it's frightening to see so young. Yeah, it's scary when you, when, see, now I started looking into when it happens and realize actually it's way before we're even realize our parents the people you know our siblings everybody around us doesn't, doesn't even realize that's what they are teaching us to uh-huh. become or teaching us the ways to think and believe because it's so ingrained and it has been for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years so you know it just gets passed on a little bit there's always a little bit still of yeah that. well parents yeah. are doing the best that they can to raise yeah. the child that they have in front of them <clears throat> and then and we don't no one has a handbook and and so we sort of go by maybe the way our parents raised us or we go the other way <laughs> because we don't feel yeah. like that was good enough and who knows what's going to happen yeah. you know who knows it's a crapshoot throw the dice I, I li- the, I've been asking the question with more and more women that I talk to you know what why don't they don't know why they don't have that self-worth but what scares them more is that when I ask them who they are when they take away the labels of mum or wife or partner Mm -hmm. I was like who are you take that all those things away what what about you the things you like the things you want to do you know everything else is seems to be based on oh, well, the kids like to do that, or I spend my time doing this because they never have anything just for themselves. And 
when it comes to a point where there's some ladies I talk to who, you know, kids have now left home or they suddenly find themselves separated in their 50s and they're like, there's nothing what, for me. What, who am I? What, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Lost. Yes. I have because a lot they, of women in my business. I have the same. They come to me around this age and they're like, yeah. I'm just looking for something different, you know, something else. And I guess because a lot of the women that um, naturally come to me because of my story are the ones that are now lo- no longer drink and alcohol filled a massive void in their lives. And now without that, again, so many of them say, I don't know what to do now on an evening. I don't know what to do if I can't drink. And yeah. They don't know what to do. And I was like, you need to go back. We've got to go back. We've got to go back to the drawing board and rediscover who you are before the wife, before the mother, before the everything else or the, you know, the boss at work or the colleague. Yeah. If you can remember, if you can remember, it takes yeah. a lot of work. It does. And I think people don't realize that you literally have to go back to when you were a child. Yep. And that is what I'm now trying to do because that is what I had to do. Exactly. Yeah, me too. Yep. All right, listen, we have to take a really quick break. I hate to do this, but we have to. We're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, I'd like to just talk more about what you are actually doing with your coaching and perhaps like what, what you have, a, you've come up with a program. I love that, um, especially since it's based on your life and your yeah. struggles, because who else better to teach that than you? Um, but how people can get in touch with you, perhaps if they resonate with your story and how they can contact you and perhaps hire you for your services. So we'll be back in just a second. We'll talk more about that when we come back. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Thank you so much for coming back and rejoining us. We're here with Shana Jasmat. She is a female empowerment coach from the UK, and she just told us her story. Oh boy, what a story that was. I want to thank you again, Shana, for sharing all of that with us. I know it probably isn't easy to talk about it, but I know you're probably going to help so many by sharing your story. Let's turn to the time where we are now. So we are in January, February, 2021, and you had signed your first client. So tell us about your, tell us about your program and how you can help others who feel like your story resonated with them. If they wanted to hire you, um, tell us what they can expect from you. And then you can tell us how they can actually contact you. That would be great. Yeah, of course. So initially, actually, in February, I was just wanting to help women one on like on a one on one basis. Um, I felt that that was where I could really, you know, dig in deep with them. Yeah, yeah, that Um, makes sense. And I guess having such a varied background story experience thing going on, people didn't know initially why they were coming to me because it was like, oh, is it because she she's sober now, or is it because she changed a career like late, you know, in her forties? It was all these different things, and that's when, to be honest, it took me a while to really figure out what am I, what is it that I am trying to tell women. And I basically want them to realize it doesn't get rid of the story of how it's meant to be. Write your own. And I know that sounds really cliche and people say it all the time, but you literally, you can rewrite your story or start it again at any point in the book or, you know, just throw out the whole script and start over if you want to or need to, because it is your life. Uh It doesn't have to be based on what somebody else is expecting you know what society expects from you you know I think women for generations it's even in our like I'm sure it's like inbuilt in us to be that person who puts everyone else 
nurturers. Else, yeah. 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 Caregivers, yeah. nurturers, yeah. make sure everyone else is okay. Yep. Yeah. And then we forget about us and we what I've been noticing with a lot of women that I talk to is that we recognize it late on in life. Mm-hmm. People are getting into their 40s and onwards, or sometimes even a bit earlier than that, and going, Oh my God, how did I get here? And wh- who am I? And what am I even doing? Because, you know, without, if I didn't have the kids or if I didn't have my partner, if I didn't have A, B, and C, I don't know who I would be mm-hmm. or where I'm even going or what it, does this even make me happy where I am? And it's frightening. Yeah. It, I mean, I've been there. I did it. I did all, you know, I felt like I did all the right things. I went to, I got good education. I went and got a job and I traveled and I lived in different cities. I tried different careers um, and nothing worked or seemed Yeah, to you fit. still felt sort of lost and not connected to anything. Lost. Yeah. Absolutely lost for years. And I had to go through some really pretty horrible stuff. Yep to come out the other end and realize that that messy journey that I had was also I could help other people mm-hmm. through wherever they're at in their life when they need to find their own path get unstuck whatever you want to call it right um, right we all have something we can call it like get like <laughs> I, I always like don't know where you are yeah find your own path get unstuck I always yeah. say um healing isn't about healing and we're not broken it's just about trying to find our true selves who were yeah. who we were meant to be yes and before I think we, get, we lose that <laughs> yeah. we lose that we lose that before we even realize we've lost it right um and I think there is a way to find it again and that is what like my new program which has taken me so long to um it's okay this is not long see you're already putting too much pressure on yourself you just started and I Mm. that's the thing isn't it when you know what you want to do you want when you want to get it done and you want to help I know exactly how you feel I went through this go ahead I was just gonna say it was like this this is what I want to do I just want to be out there helping people and you're right it hasn't been that long maybe the because so much of it was in lockdown I felt like you know I should be further along but when I look back the change not just the fact that I changed career I changed me completely yeah and that's all happened within a year two years two two years so the first yeah that's a lot you have to and you also have to settle in with the new you and Mm -hmm. which you probably have but you know you never know um what this new you is going to be like in certain situations so yeah it takes some time you're right that's yeah. a few things that in the last few months, you know, I've, I've been there as the coach and, you know, empowering women to make choices for themselves and be confident. And I realized after not that long ago that because of lockdown and because of doing so much of this work that I do now behind a screen, I hadn't been out and about socializing in public for so long that the first time I had to do it, I was terrified yeah and I hadn't noticed that part of me had kind of got left behind and I was like I don't even if it's somebody I know really well I get this little bit I have to make a big plan of right so I'll go there and then I'll come back and what time and how long do I have to stay yeah I'm getting better but yeah yeah, wow that that's that was shocking when I first realized how scared I was yeah, a lot of that probably had to do with the fact that we weren't able to do that for so long too, because I definitely over the past year and a half have changed socially. I don't, I, Halloween was here last night. And so kids yeah. come to the house and you hand them tons of candy and yeah. then you go away. And it was very hard for me, which is very strange where he's going to be so shocked. It was very hard for me to um, have that small talk and be like, oh, hi, that's a cute little costume you got there. And uh, yeah, I just, it was too much for me. And I was happy when it was over. And Brittany, you know me, we used to go outside and give out candy and have fun. And yeah. it just has become too much for me. So whether that's because I have been in the house for a year and a half, I mean, I really haven't been that much and, and lately, but, um, you know, just getting used to the fact that you mm. can't go out and socialize. And I, I have no desire to. this is it isn't it a lot of people I'm feeling the same it's it's that oh I actually don't 
even really want to like it'd be nice to see friends it'd be nice to do things but also quite happy just staying at home and feeling you know comfortable in my surroundings I read something actually just yesterday or today saying it's it's sensory overload now because we've been so in our little bubbles whether it's the one or two people we see regularly and you only go to the shops for a brief amount of time now it's too much it's too much we can't our, our, our brains our bodies aren't used to it well thank goodness so, because we don't need that honestly we, we don't need it too much, yeah 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 all right so so tell us how people sorry. can get in touch with, oh no don't be sorry tell <laughs> us how, i'm just excited i'm so happy that you're on today so tell us how people can get in touch with you if they wanted to just either connect with you or hire you or check you out how, what are your socials? Um, <laughs> Is that the right thing to say, Brittany? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's it, mom. Good. Um, I am most active and you'll see me do my thing mostly on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is Shana underscore KCJ. Okay, um, so everyone that's S-H-A-E-N-A underscore what? K-C-K-A-S-E-Y-J-A-Y. K-A-S-E-Y-J-A-Y-J-A-Y. So it's Shana underscore K-C-J. Yeah. Okay. And if you find me there, there will be a link in my bio to all my other little platforms and website and whatnot. And yeah, that's my central point. You can find me there. That's great. So you offer, um, do you offer little um, packages for coaching for people to yeah um so my six-week program um only launched actually started today so if anybody does want to jump on there's still time <laughs> and then you know my, what this is what, probably not coming out for two to three weeks oh, oh and so in that case in a few weeks after on, that maybe <laughs> i will be um i'm gonna take a little break and then i'll start again in january so yeah. yeah i'm doing the same i have a six-week program myself and it starts again in January. Yeah, I haven't decided exactly what date, but it feels right to wait till mm-hmm. after the new year. But yeah, my one-to-one packages, I, I will work with somebody for somebody who knows exactly what they want out of the coaching session can work with me just for 90 minutes if they want, yeah. or through to a three-month um, program. Good for um, you. And, I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> talking about this today. <laughs> it's a good day to talk about it <laughs> yeah no well, thank so, you so much for having me on oh honestly. my gosh it's, it's our so pleasure nice. we um do you have anything else that you want to share with the listeners before we ask you our three questions to end um, oh gosh no now you put me on the spot whoopsie um, <laughs> <laughs> no just you know what well actually yes there's two months still left of 2021 Make the most of it. Do not write this year off yet. You can, the eight weeks to do so much. Mm. Hold on to it and grab onto it and do whatever you need to do. Start 2022 um, as you mean to go on rather than, you know, because I I, I used to write the end of the year off probably in August, September. Wow. Now like... well, my birthday's at the end of the year so I'm just I just wait and wait and wait and wait, wait and like <laughs> it's not over until it, you know I turn whatever age I'm turning <laughs> and then it's like okay then I can write the rest of the year up <laughs> so I do the same but it's mid-December when I do that <laughs> yeah. keep going right till the very end right we have uh, 24 hours in a whole day I mean there's so much you could do yeah so much okay here's our questions <gasps> Okay. Now I'm going to put you on the spot. When um, you are feeling your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? I'm when I'm with my dog. Oh, what what kind of is it? The same dog that you've had when you had to put your dog in the kennel? Yes. What's your... He's a gray, he's a greyhound. Oh, must be so pretty. What's the dog's name? Louie. Louie. Is he named after that one One Direction guy? <laughs> I was gonna ask. I was gonna ask. No, he's not named after the one. Day. I don't, you know what? I don't know why why Louie. He just because <laughs> he's an he's a 
a retired racing greyhound so he Cute. they come with a their racing name and then they're given a kennel name and then you can rename them and I can't really remember where why Louis but <laughs> yeah he's he's my baby so Aww. we have yeah. some dogs too well I have the dogs and a cat Brittany lives somewhere else so <laughs> <laughs> they're my pets they're my pets now <laughs> all right Brittany did you want to ask the second question uh yeah sure so um the next question is um if you could recommend like a really good book or self-help book rather um to our audience I know you said you read a lot when you were in India so tell us about that I'm looking next to me here because my self-help bookshelf <laughs> is oh god to narrow it down to one okay um you can say two or three definitely definitely um the four agreements love that book that not change your life like really I I actually have it for my coaching clients usually I give them a copy it's like you gotta read my coach my first coach Laura she told me to read that and it took me way longer than it should have to go and get (laughs) this big (laughs) yeah and I was like why why did I not get this earlier um such a good book good book the power of now that's a good book too yeah (laughs) um ah there's got to be the the book that actually was the first one I read when I was like right let's let's sort this out sort your life out was um good vibes good life by Vex King I don't know that one cool he's 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 British and he's fairly well he's very well known here Mm -hmm. But um, yes, he. Well, tell me his name. Book. Tell me his name again. Bex King, B E X K I N G. Thanks. All right. Um, have you read The Untethered Soul? <gasps> Literally on Audible at the moment. I'm on the last chapter. <laughs> and a very, I would have recommended that if I'd have finished it, but I haven't. So I feel like I can't quite. But wow. Yes, <laughs> Brittany, you have to read that book. Yeah, I, I know. I that this is one book that I go back so many times while I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, that sounded good. I need to go back and listen again. And I guess yeah, so. Back to it. So the Untethered Soul, I listened to at a crucial time when I was making a decision about my future as well. And it just it was. I think it's like I, I mean I think I even took us because I listen on Audible. I don't read, and then if I really like the book, I'll get the 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 book and That's I'll start <laughs> <laughs> like soul sisters um, <laughs> it was one there was one part in the book and I was walking at the time I would listen as I was walking and I took a screenshot because I wanted to make a, a workshop out of it and it's uh, I think it's I want to say four chapter four I don't even know because it's audible but um <clears throat> he talks about the heart chakra and the energy I knew you were gonna say that how did you know that that's the bit that when I I listen to it when I'm in the gym and that's the bit where I was like oh I've missed it again kept going but that's a chapter I kept replaying that's the bit that got me in the book that's like I need to make notes on this section yeah because, because I'm, I'm a, I, I do Reiki I'm a Reiki master teacher and I teach about energy and chakras and so I. when I you are you guys are twinnies I, I only got, I only. Will you learned, take me to um, India with you, please? <laughs> I only learned a few months ago, but, and I haven't really started practicing on a regular, like it's for me at the minute, because I don't know what I'm going to do with it. But oh my yeah. gosh, can you just like get in touch with me and I'll help you? This is what I do, help people with all this kind of stuff. So definitely. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> any, any questions you have, let me know. All right. So that whole chapter, when he talks about that energy center and like, that's the only one that matters. And this is the only one you should be working on. And I was like, Oh, and I really, for some reason, it just really hit me. And I was like, okay. Um, which led me down this path of, you know, starting to take a bit better care of myself and have a little bit more yeah. self you know, love and compassion for me and all of that mm. kind of stuff. So it really helped me too. That's a great book. I'm so glad you're reading it. Brittany, that's a really good book. You need to read it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right. Last question. 
If money was not an object, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd be doing what I'm doing now. Mm. That's what everyone the, says. Everybody only, says that, Shana, which is fabulous. <laughs> the only thing I would add on to what I'm doing now is that I would be um, with, with, with having more money is being able to help like more impact more people around the world because at the moment it's like it's great that I can help women especially ones that meet me on social media or connect with me but I'm talking like global projects mm -hmm. around the world that yeah I'll do that with that you. all the rich people should be helping but don't seem to want to they yeah. can find they can finance our nonprofit to help yeah. others that's it's an what, idea that's what, <laughs> I want to bring That's this kind I of wellness to the whole country because this country, there's, you know, there's a bit of a little bit of a uprising. I don't want to call it that, but I think a lot of people are becoming more and more aware that things like meditation and energy yeah. healing and working on ourselves is really important. Um, it's a, I think it's becoming more and more mainstream. That's actually why I named my business that because it's mainstream coaching and wellness because I want it to be in the, <laughs> it's, I was kind of manifesting it. I want it to be part of the mainstream, like going to a yoga class or meditation class should be prescribed to someone. A friend of mine said to me something strange the other day. I was telling her about a one-off coaching workshop that a friend of mine was running. And I said, it'll be really, I think it'll be good for you. And she didn't sign up for it. And I asked her why after she said, don't take this the wrong way, but I was put off by the price. And I said, why? She said, because she was charging 11 11 for it. And look, everybody's jumping on the angel number bandwagon. And I said, what do you mean? She said, oh, it's just becoming, it's a thing. It's trendy now and everybody wants to. I said, do you, I, I said, that is one way to look at it. And I may have looked at it like that. But I said, do you not think that we're in a state of this world at the moment that people are like now starting to need to, believe in things because of the desperate situations we're in mm -hmm. whatever More. you need to believe in believe in it do it yeah it, and yeah, it makes you a better person and you you know exactly. you have more compassion for people than believe in it if you feel like angels and i believe in those numbers 1000 percent. and if i saw 11 yeah. 11 i'd be like oh my gosh it's fate i should probably join that i should probably yeah. sign up for that i don't know i can see i she said oh you know crystals are everywhere now and I, I now I don't feel like my so like you you're that's her ego that. but that's her ego it's not it's not exactly yeah so yeah it's, it's funny because I'm working in this business um in the last few years noticing that um some practitioners when they start to focus in on the money that they're making um and if they're not making enough money and it's a thing like it's a thing then I feel like why are you doing this then? Yeah, yes, we, yes, we need the money to survive. And yes, it is a business. So I have to charge people to do this. And it honors the energy, quite frankly, that I have an exchange of energy um, to do it. However, I just have to have faith. And I do have faith that things will work out. Um, but I, I also am sharing my expertise and my time. And, and I need to charge for that as well. So you do. You do. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's just finding that there's a balance there's a balance and the worst between. and the understanding that I deserve that yeah. too has yeah. been my biggest um Brit knows has been my biggest um lesson uh these past two years myself so yeah yeah, for sure. yeah. it has been so we nice to meet you Sheena oh my yeah, gosh this is wonderful <laughs> this is a nice, Brittany, nice Brittany I have another new friend that you don't yeah. have <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> oh, honestly, it's been lovely. Um, thank you so much for having me on. I've had a great thank time. Thank you. Thank you. And if you have any questions about energy and Reiki, let me know. Uh, you know, if this is your start of your journey, I'd love to. I love, love, love talking about this stuff. Amazing. Thank you. And thanks. And everyone, remember, you can find Shana on Instagram. I'll put it in the podcast notes so you can actually see it. I'm just going to say her handle one more time and I'll make sure I spell it right on my podcast notes. It's Shana underscore KCJ. 
Um, and then from there, she shared that you can go to her bio and find her and all of her other ways to get in touch with her is right there on her Instagram. So once again, thank you for joining us all the way from the UK. Um, and I'd look forward to having another conversation with you sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Shana. This is awesome. All right, everybody. Britt and I bye. will be back in bye. We'll be back in just a bit. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.